today with the final show before the big Oscars on Sunday, and we got we'll other, give, mo- we'll, other movies and we'll give, local theater. We'll give you an Oscar preview at the end of the show. But first, Lynn's going to talk to Ellie Schwedy and Will Bafiglio about their new show at the New Jewish Theater. And then later on, we'll talk about Scream 6 and Operation Fortune. But right now, Lynn's conversation with the director and star of Every Brilliant Thing at the New Jewish Theater. I am very excited that we're having two of my favorite people in the St. Louis theater community, Will Bafiglio and Ellie Schwedy. And if you don't know who these two are, I hope that you go see Every Brilliant Thing at the New Jewish Theater, because not only will it make you feel good about life, but you will see why Will has three St. Louis Theater Circle Awards. Four, uh, two of them are for one-man shows. And the other one, you had a cast of uh, hilarity. You had really funny people, but you looked pretty good in a red satin dress. (laughs) And didn't you have heels? I did, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Red Scare at Sunset. It was about all the commies. (laughs) Yeah, it was a funny group. Yes. And Ellie, you were nominated this year. Mm -hmm. I am. I know. And and, uh, you have been nominated, I think, every year. Yeah, could could be, could be. I know, and we're ten, we're ten years old this year. <laughs> oh, happy birthday! <laughs> the circle. Well, we're just so happy that it's gonna be back. Yeah, people love the party for sure. Theater prom. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember your first time because I think you won the first year for sound, mm-hmm. and and uh, Judy talked about your beautiful green gown. Oh yeah, I love my um my vintage Halston, which is one of my my pride and one of my prized possessions. Oh wow, that's really cool. <laughs> yes. I used to wear that perfume back in the 70s. Ooh. <laughs> he was like the first one, wasn't he? With a with a so. besides what? Chanel. Yeah, like the big, the big like. Yeah, we're going to plan yeah. everything. We've got the dresses. My mom got married in a cool Halston. She had like, not, she didn't do a veil, but she did like a really cool hat. Oh, yeah, because that was cool his thing. Hat. Yeah, 1978, just like classic. Oh, very cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, this one I'm excited about because I will ha- I have seen this twice before. Uh, RS Theatrics and... Uh, the Shakespeare Fest, well, not the festival, but St. Louis Shakespeare did it last year Mm -hmm. at the chapel. And my screenshot has all these post-it notes on it. And it had the audience uh, write down at intermission or at uh, when they were leaving, coming in, what they felt was a really neat thing in life. And I put not having to set an alarm. (laughs) because to me i think that's in adult life that's one of the great joys of not having to have that yeah sound a a mark of almost complete freedom when you don't have to like be up at a certain time oh i know so tell us about this show every brilliant thing will do you want to start or do you want me to start 
whatever you prefer. I'm okay. <laughs> so every brilliant thing is, um, yeah, I mean, I guess you can say it's a one person show, although we're actually saying that the real star of the play is the audience. Um, so uh, the audience is really, uh, you know, involved in this storytelling. So, you know, basically it's, um, it, you know, we have a narrator, a central narrator character who's kind of talking about, you know, he's kind of going through his life and um, he has a mother who has struggled with depression and, um, you know, has attempted suicide. And as a little boy, he's trying to kind of cope with that. And he comes up with this solution to, you know, in his mind, if he if he writes a list of every brilliant thing in the world, then um, that might help change his mom's attitude and, you know, and and help her stick around. Um, and then the the list keeps evolving as this as this uh, narrator um, is growing and we see him at, you know, all these different phases of his life as a teenager, then as a university student, falling in love with his partner, um, going through all of that. And, you know, meanwhile, keeping this list going as it grows and then his own um, struggles with, um, you know, mental health issues and uh, depression. Um, it, it's a wonderful show and it has been done it started in England, right? Am I correct with that? Yeah, it was. And, uh, mm -hmm. and he and it, it the lead character has been done as a female or as a male. Yeah. Yeah, it's really adaptable. Um, the the playwright Duncan McMillan, he initially wrote it as a little monologue piece for an, um, a female actor who uh, was had a bit part in a, in a show he had written. So he wrote her this little essay um, and then it evolved, it kept evolving. And I know, it, I think it went to the Edinburgh Fin Fringe Festival. Um, there was an art installation piece. Um, so like there was this big visual art component and then, yeah, it's been done. And, and the kind of the, the, the version of it that we all do now was done with um, the kind of first actor who did it, um, Johnny Donahoe, and he contributed a lot. And Johnny Donahoe is a, is a stand-up comedian. So um, there's a lot of that like improvisational stand-up comedy kind of infused into the script. You are going to assign the audience. You'll be given out little index cards, right? With the numbers. Cause yeah. I've, I've had those before where I'm number 70 and I say something and then yes. you gotta wait when everybody's like, oh, 89. Okay, I'm ready, you know? What is yes, no, but that's why the audience is is such a big part. And like Ellie said, they're kind of the star of the show. I mean, it is a story that is told by way of everyone who's in the room together. And I think that that is what makes it really exciting and different. Um, and I think also creates a sort of impact that a regular, you know, theater experience may not actually have. Um, I think the idea of, I know me, like as a, as a theater patron or an audience member, I'm always like panicked if there's any sort of audience <laughs> participation. Um, so I think <laughs> that's something we're trying to also just consider, right? Is how do you make this environment and atmosphere inviting and welcoming and also, um, you know, giving audience agency and at the same time, wanting them to feel not only like, they have to participate, but all, that they want to, right? That they want to be a part of this community story together. And I think that's what makes this piece really, really beautiful, in my opinion. 
I think people can relate to it. The two times I was in the audience, I think it creates a communal bond. But I also think the way it addresses mental health, especially after the last couple of years we've had, uh, people do, um, you know, it's very encouraging because there's been such isolation and a lot of people have struggled with mental health. And so uh, this is a timely presentation. So it's going to be in the Wool Theater, which is such a, a nice, intimate space. And you two have worked there before. We, we have. <laughs> yeah, we did uh, that really fun play. Um, I can't say it because Will gets nervous, but fully committed. <laughs> um, in which he played, you know, 50 plus characters. And now he just gets to play one, which is like such a relief. That was that was a huge commitment, but it was really fun. People loved it. I think it was right before Christmas of 2019, was it? Yeah. 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 It was like the last show I did before everything locked down, right? And COVID yeah. became really a thing. Um, it was, yeah, like December 2019, right before it, everything halted. Yeah, that's right, because... We had, um, I just interviewed name dropping Joniel Joplin, oh. and <laughs> and he said he was working on We Are the Levinsons, yeah, at New Jewish, and that got shut down. Yeah, I think they got through their final dress, and then it was like we can't, we got to shut down the show. We can't, we can't do it, which was uh, just so sad for everybody, everybody. It was, I just remember, it was just, I started doing articles about, okay, we're moving this, we're moving this. And, mm -hmm. and then it just all, boom, 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 everything. Right. And people tried to keep moving things and then it got shut down. And even now we are still having a little of that where performances, because it's post-vaccine, performances might be missed for a couple uh, for a day or two or why they can get an understudy or whatever, but the theater community has adapted to the challenges of, yeah. you know, still having COVID around because people are still, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things. I think Confederates last week at the rep had one day where people were sick, but there's also flu going around too and stuff. Sure. So you guys got to be on your toes. Yeah, we're we, we're wrapping Will in a bubble and making sure he... <laughs> <laughs> he's very <So>, safe. <laughs> yeah, well, you have I have Will I have seen you on that stage at New Jewish multiple times. I saw you in Yentl. I saw you in uh, Great Gardens, although that was Max and Louis. Right. But that's one of the best things I've seen in ten years. And I uh, love that space. That theater is really a great space and it's so versatile. And I think, you know, just from how many things I've done there over really the last decade, I love how every configuration can be different. You can do so much with a, a set in that space, I think. And it often surprises people because they think like, oh, I'm in kind of a, a flexible black box space. But actually, I mean, you can really do some some large builds in the in that space and I think that makes it really fun for the audience every time to come in and like be set up in a different way uh so that's something that I've always loved about it but yeah no I 
I feel so lucky to have worked uh, with New Jewish Theater in that space for a long time now. And to be a part, I know Ellie and I were talking about this the other day, to be part of this 25th anniversary season is just such such an honor. It's really yeah. exciting to celebrate this milestone by not only getting to be there together again, but like us literally doing another project, I think is just ugh, the cherry on top, you know? Yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah. I am too, because you were supposed to, uh, Ellie, uh, do something else when it got shut down, right? Weren't you? I, uh... Or maybe it was West End Players Guild. Yeah, I don't think I had... I had I had one or two projects um, that were... That had to end up, you know, ultimately being canceled or things that were that were shuffled around. Um, the Actually, uh, every brilliant thing, initially we were going to... Uh, be doing it um like this time last year um but with the kind of like the omicron surge in january of last year um uh they made the the jay made the decision to move laughter on the 23rd floor into this kind of march spot so uh you know we we're just really happy that we can finally like come back around and uh and still be able to do the show because it's been um, it's been a journey and uh, it's really nice to be here and to be to be doing it and to be sharing the story with the community. It yeah. feels really great. Yeah, I think it's right timing for sure of that because yeah. it uh, it has been quite um, the last three years because just when we were getting out of it, we had the Delta and mm-hmm. then we had the Omicron and then whatever that hybrid thing was last year you know they called it some name i can't remember but you know but no i think what what everybody has gone with and then the um when i was at the j for broadway bound on the last day uh the audience is so appreciative i think of the quality of theater that's there Mm -hmm. and I think word of mouth spreads that something's good because I've never not been there when it's got a healthy audience, which is, which is really good. And you now have two performances on Saturdays. I know, but it's good. You know, I think it's great that like, it's a good story. And like we've said, it's, I think so affirming in a lot of ways. And the fact that it is, so involved with the audience you know and them reading off the cards or whatever it may be and I think that really helps it move forward and keeps giving it life you know it gives me life and gives me energy too I think to keep doing it so I'm I'm excited because each time you know depending on who's in the room and who's in the audience like each one is a real unique experience I know we often say that about theater but I mean this time it's literally true because It's so dependent also on the audience that every single grouping is going to be unique in its own way. And so I, I'm excited to get into performances and get a sense of what that looks like and and how, yeah, each each population might be a little different. And I think that that will uh, impact the story, you know, in different ways of how, how it's re- received, how people are um, experiencing it, how they appreciate it. And, and I think it's going to be just kind of a a treasure for the community to have this, as you said, Lynn, after these years, and just to be in this moment where we're still grappling with so much as a community. um, I I think it's nice that we can all kind of come together around a shared theme and a shared feeling that a lot of us have experienced and faced. And 
um, can talk about it and can share space together and be there for one another. And there's something really, um, I don't know, just really, I, I'm, I'm really excited about the prospect of that, especially after where, where we've been over the past few years. I know. And you have, uh, have, uh, you're just getting back into the whole thing and you're going full tilt because <laughs> it's relying on totally you, but what are some of your favorite lines of what are some of your favorite things that you have to in the 99 things that get touched on? I mean, I know there's more than that. Yeah. Isn't there like a thousand? There's a million. A million. There's a million, one million brilliant things. Yeah. We don't, luckily, I don't have, we, I don't do them all <laughs> in the show. We skip ahead at points, right? Because I'd be like, wow, how do you memorize that? But, um, no, I mean, there are a lot of ones that I think are very, um, there are a lot of great food ones that I'm like, oh, yes, that's, that's very true. You know, um, there's a one I love about, um, one of my favorites, Ellie knows is the one that's like hairdressers who listen to what you want. I think that one's like <laughs> so great. Um, because we all, we all want a Marcy, you know, in the world, but it's hard. To <laughs> um, so I think that's a fun one. Um, and there are some that are just, I think, really, really universally lovely. You know, there's birdsong and hugging. And one of the ones I love is is conversation. You know, I think that is what this all is about. Um, and I think that that's a beautiful one. Um, but there are funny ones that are also, um, I don't know, a little like, tongue-in-cheek or or smart right or witty uh there's one of the ones i know ellie and i like is it's like 123,321 which is palindromes and it's like <laughs> oh, of course it's palindromes right so yeah so there are a lot of really great ones and you know i think also um the idea of having the audience think about yeah like what are those brilliant things to them you know what would they put on their list and that's something that i think we're trying to involve in the in the experience of the theatrical piece as well you know not necessarily in the performance itself but in the experience of coming to the theater and being a part of that community uh for you know that that kind of hour 90 minutes um i don't know ellie if you want to yeah i don't know what you want to give away spoiler alerts but i think well what I what I love so some of the things I love is um, the scope in the play for kind of um, personalizing it to the performer. Um, so there are some kind of regional specifications, um, you know, with the original performer. It was uh, he's English, so they're kind of like English or London uh, based um, uh, things or that he talks about. So we can we can make this kind of St. Louis Midwestern focus, which has been a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, you don't have to say biscuit. We're saying cookies. Um, <laughs> right. Um, we are, uh, and then and then working with um, uh, Bess Moynihan is doing the um, set and lighting design. Um, genius. Yeah. yeah, total genius. And so we're definitely taking inspiration from the fact that this was um, an art installation piece, and so um, that there will be an element, um, much like with. Um, the St. Louis Shakespeare version where audience members are encouraged to write their own um, brilliant things will have a component to that too. Um, and then, you know, they might get all get a, start getting attached to the set. So part of the set might be like this ever growing um, falling list from, from the sky. Um, so that'll be, so come back multiple times. So you can see how not only the show changes sh from performance to performance, but how the set keeps evolving. 
That's very cool. And Best is just unbelievably stunning in her lighting designs and her oh, set yeah. designs. It's going to be amazing. And, yeah. and every time she does it. And then she's a good actress, too, because she has been in many a Sate show that yes. I was quite impressed. But uh, she's nominated for multiple theater circle awards. And uh, Rodney's wife, I think that set that she did in the chapel space that okay. was an Italian villa might be the best set ever in there. I mean, well, I'm kind of partial to uh, Bronte's sister house party. <laughs> yeah. But yes, oh, well, yeah, but it's pretty stunning. Was that in the chapel? I can't yes, remember. Ma'am. Oh, that it was, was okay. Different. Oh, well, yeah. Well, the, the confetti the and the balloons and the door traps and yeah. all that. And uh, the whole ceiling. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. I'm sorry. But you know, that's my favorite show of the whole year. So I should remember. I Always forgiven, so Lynn. <laughs> talk about a feel good show. Yeah. I, I just I had so much fun with that I could I, I could have stayed there for like two more hours oh, listening to the party. DJ and watching Cassidy twirl around you know just wild yeah yeah so he is in he's gonna be um well you guys start March 16th and mm -hmm. so does the show Moonstone's Grand Horizons at Kirkwood and Cassidy's in it and Janelle Joplin, another, uh, had really wonderful things to say about him. Oh, I mean, he's a great performer. He's a, super generous and just really, you know, just a good person to work with. So yeah, no, no surprises there. Yeah. Well, I hope that, well, you guys, yeah, you'll be off Friday night. Well, so, yeah. um, but what I like is about how the theater community supports each other and they try to go when they can. But then if they compete at the same time, it's hard. And this next stretch in March. So many plays happening. <laughs> I know my calendar just, I just have to double check and double check. And I have to move them around like, okay, I can see this then because I can see this there. And uh, yeah, mm -hmm. it's uh, one of those things, but it's a good problem to have. Here comes Carl. Yeah. It's a good problem to have so many choices now. This is a show that, uh, you know, a theater um, professional told me that people really want escape now. And I think this is one. And I think it's a conversation starter, too, because you will start thinking of all the wonderful things in your life and making a list. And yeah. sure, you know, but Carl, I'm serious about this. Will has won three St. Louis Theater Circle Awards for Best Actor in a Comedy he is the record holder. So wow, I didn't know that. That's that's wild. That's exciting. <laughs> you have won three. She and knows Lori, these things. And Lori Mack is tied with you with three. Great. But oh, she, she has won in musical and drama. But you're all comedy. And Ellie has is a winner too. Uh, and she is often nominated in multiple categories. Sound acting and uh in uh, directing and last year she won uh for the play tinseltown uh that was joe hanrahan's original play yep mm. we know joe i know we just had him on about the linda about the cabaret ah, uh, yeah. stories and carl i wanted to tell you that they extended the linda ronstadt one for two more wednesdays so march because it's sold out 
March 22nd and March 29th have been added if you want to go. That sounds fantastic. There are no more blues games on Saturdays for the rest of the year. I just figured that out. It's odd. They're on the road every Saturday. So I have my weekends open again. Oh, well, well, good. well, well you had every brilliant thing, man. Yeah, I was going to say you need to go. And also your lovely wife, Nicole, will love it. They're empty nests. I'm not a, now. They got no, I am not the keeper of the calendar. I'm a passenger on that train. Then we will talk to Nicole. <laughs> yes, please do. Okay. Oh, well, it was such a joy to talk to you today, and I cannot wait to see it. Thanks. Thanks. I will be there yeah. first weekend. This Great. is going on my list of brilliant things, a conversation yes. with Lynn Van Hout. <laughs> oh. Oh. Yes. Well, thank you. I'm, thank I'm you. Uh, really happy we could do this today. And also, I agree. I uh, think that with you guys, too. It's always so fun to run into you at shows. Yeah, thanks, yes. guys. And it's see always, you on stage. It's always a nice surprise. Yeah, that's <laughs> yes. lovely. Let's let them go. Okay. And we'll, talk, we'll talk horror movies. We'll talk uh, Scream 6. And Six. I did see the new Guy Ritchie movie. You did? Well, Jim Batts of We Are Movie Geeks, our friend, he reviewed it. And I said, oh, did you, did you go on your own? And he said, no, I got a link. And I went back and Lionsgate had sent us an email offering a link. And there you go. And so, so let's, asked, let's, let's start, let's start with Scream. Okay. Um, we don't We're have to fans. go over, we don't We're have to go the over French. the last ones. Right. We don't have to go over the last five films because uh, they do that for you. This is one of the rare movies in something like, you know, like in Harry Potter, they didn't say previously in the wizarding world. They didn't do that with any of them. But in this movie, Scream 6, even though Scream 5 was just called Scream, Scream 6, they have a scene with Delmet McRoo... I'm sorry. Delmet... I guess Dermot. Dermot, Dermot Mulroney. And Hayden Panettiere, where they go over the last five films just for like a minute. But it's enough that this would get new people in and... You don't have to have seen the last six or five films or the TV show. And Hayden Panettiere is one yes. of the returning. She's people. from four. She's yes. from four. She and then they mentioned Riley. her barely in five. They she's she was like a freeze frame Easter egg that she was alive because at the end of four you don't know whether she's alive or dead, and she is alive. And now she is. Uh, she never wants to be uh, taken advantage of by Ghostface again. Right. So if you rem if you remember what happened the last one, you've got the core four, which would be the two sisters, Tara and Sam, and which then, are um, yeah. Melissa Barrera and Jenna Ortega. And then you have uh, Missy and her twin brother, who are nephews of the original Randy. And Mindy actually takes Randy's place in doing all of the uh, exposition and saying, here's what's going on in uh, the life. I wish they would have brought back their mother, uh, Heather, uh, the, the, the girl from uh, Ghost World. Heather Matazaro, I'm saying the That's name wrong. That's right. She Welcome to their the mother. dollhouse. Yes, she played. She played their mother, and they don't bring because they've moved from Westboro on to New York City. This is Ghostface takes Manhattan. 
Oh, yes. And the Internet has ruined Sam's life. Not that uh, uh, not that having Billy Loomis as her father uh, right. would. But uh, what I liked about this is they did amp up the um, gore. Well, you know, I'm never a fan of that. But I like the cleverness of the opening because everybody that's a signature of those movies is the phone call with the creepy voice. Yes. This movie starts out really slow. It's two hours and three minutes. It doesn't get to, uh, I mean, there are, there are a bunch of kills in the first half of the movie, but the movie does not start to get better until you have the Gail Weathers ghost face confrontation. That is probably the best scene and one of the best scenes in the franchise of them having this fight, which I thought was kind of weird because Ghostface even says to Gail, uh, we've never talked on the phone before. <laughs> but yeah. it, it, I, I also thought that she would Laurie Strode her house. She's in this apartment in Manhattan and you think that she'd have a kill box or be prepared. I mean, she does have a weapon, but you think that she'd be prepared in case Ghostface or whoever wanted to be Ghostface came after her. Because Gail was never one to have a false sense of security. Gail was always prepared. And I really thought that she'd be better prepared for a Ghostface coming to her apartment. But it is a fantastic fight scene right there that they have. Right. They did have some good choreography. Well, this is the sequel to the requel. And yes. the requel didn't have Kevin Williamson involved or in Sam Raimi. Raimi Not had passed all. on. He has passed away. Yes. So we don't have that. But the two film nerds that are in charge of this, I like those guys. I like Screen okay. 5. I like what they did with it. I love that they just are big horror movie aficionados. They well, this one's are, better than the last one. It's so meta about mm -hmm. movies that if you haven't seen any of them, I think you would be lost here. Like, say you're a new fan of Jenna Ortega because of Wednesday. Not sure if you're going to get all of well, it. Well, you, you have to. If, this is more like someone who has seen the first Scream movie. They mentioned Sydney. They talk about Sydney a lot, even though Sydney's not in this film. Nev yeah, Campbell's Campbell. not in this film. Yeah. And you have, I, I, there are some very meta jokes. And uh, one of the new people is Jack Champion as Ethan. And he is in the biggest movie of the year. He plays Spider in Avatar 2. And because I saw his name come up, I'm like, I know who that guy is. He's in Avatar 2 as the little human hanging around with all the Navi. Oh, well, he's grown up quite a bit. <laughs> yes, yes. Because, you know, Avatar 2 was filmed years ago. Yeah, I was going to say at least at least six years because the kid's now in college. Jeez. And the and the uh, the opening scene has Samara Weaving in the film which is funny because they have an Easter egg back to her uh, horror film, um, which well she was she was in Ash and Evil Dead. There is some Evil Dead stuff in there, but she's also uh, there's her character in Ready or Not is uh, referenced later on one of the subway scenes. Oh but yeah, Samara, because oh yeah. because she 
is okay. So the directors, I've got to get their name. Uh, you, Matt and Tyler, and they did Ready or Not. Yes, and and, and so, that was right before the pandemic, and mm -hmm. then they have been given the the um, franchise. Now I'm not sure if it should continue, but I enjoyed this. I thought it was. Oh fun. no, no, they said they were. They said they were going to do their own trilogy, so they'll pay a whole bunch of money to give Nev Campbell back, and it will end. Oh, okay. Or well, I can see that. This. I think right. Nev deserves to be in it better than and, this. And uh, well, I mean, it was unfortunate that they didn't bring her back, but I thought where would they uh, have used her? Yeah, I know. I thought well, the they, they, they changed the whole script, so you know. I agree with you about um, oh, Courtney Cox's part. And I like that they make it like she profited off of the screen, which is a thing now. And then Stab. also I like with the sisters having to deal with their life interrupted because of the Internet and the cancer culture and how people can get things, uh, uh, you know, that your life can be ruined in a minute. Mm -hmm. And I also like some of the characters we probably should not mention. mention. Well, also, because... there, there's the, this screen movie, they do something at the very beginning. You actually see who Ghostface is at the very beginning of the film. There's an unmasking yes! at the beginning of the film. And it is it's shocking, and then it takes another turn. So they're still they're still surprising, even though they keep saying everything's going to change. But the ending, the who Ghostface is at the end, is still the same tired trope that they've used for six films. Yeah, well, you Every, expect everybody's that, related to somebody, and everybody's related to everybody. So right, but I I thought the scene on the subway was terrifying i was so anxious jasmine savoy brown plays mindy meeks martin who uncle mm -hmm. uh, jamie kennedy is their uncle randy and her twin is chad played by uh mason gooding mason gooding and uh i liked that i thought the subway scene well it's so meta and i don't want to spoil it for people but uh the way Halloween, because it takes place on Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. But of course speaking, it does. Speaking of ready or not, Henry Zerny plays her psychiatrist. Yeah, in, in all of two scenes. You know, Mason Gooding is Cuba Gooding Jr.'s kid. I did not know that. Yes. And I'm like, he looks familiar. Oh, that's why. Because he's he's Cuba, Cuba's son. Aha. Uh -huh. Well, Nepo the, baby, Nepo baby, Mason Gooding. Yeah, but he's handsome. Yes, he is. He's Cuba, very handsome. He does. He looks like a young Cuba Gooding without the mustache. And I like how they. Uh, I just like moving the thing to New York because you know, uh, uh, you and I have been to New York many times. Mm -hmm. It was fun, even though they probably used NYU for Blackmore College. Right. <laughs> but so Scream 6 is better than the last one, but it's still it's not as good as one or four. So uh, I, I, you, I, I'll follow them to seven. Well, I um I like what the directors are doing with this. 
and um, I like how they uh, they play with horror movie franchises. Yeah, because it's just fun. You know what mm -hmm. you're getting into. You know that when you get there, you're going to have the the creepy voice on the phone. Oh yeah, Roger L. Jackson. He's yeah. he's 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 the only person that's been in everything. He was on the that, TV series too. That is just so terrifying to me. That voice when you hear it, you're just like, and then you know you're in a metaverse. Mm -hmm. And and I, you know, if you're a movie buff, then you love that stuff. And right. I didn't mind that it was way over the top in some things. And then you go along for the ride, and it got. I will say. I was ready for it to be over because I do think it got a little tedious. The in the second act, I was like, okay, I've seen enough bodies. I'm ready to wrap this up. Right. And but and it didn't really kind it, of once it once it picked once it goes to Gail's apartment, then the movie picks up again. Yeah. And then um and then the whole Riley story too. I kind mm -hmm. of figured out who was the mastermind. But I didn't know the. Well, there are only so many things. characters that they introduce, and you're like, well, that's he could be, or she could, or they right. could, right? So, right. But they elaborated more this time. So yeah, yeah I think it's going to make a lot of money. People, uh, the reaction that I heard after the movie, some people love it, thought it was fun. Some people are ready for it to be over. But well, if, uh, I will I will follow it one more and then we'll we'll see if it ends satisfactory. Yeah. And I also wonder, uh, Billy Loomis looms large in this one. Right. But uh, Skeet Ulrich is not in the credits. Well, he's uncredited, but it's only a cameo. And you, he was in five also. So, well, that's big... what I figured. I thought, well, doesn't he get a credit because he's in? Maybe he know. doesn't want it. Maybe he, you know, maybe he wants the surprise. Yes, but but he was in the last one. So Lynn, let's let's move on to Guy Ritchie. Tell me, yeah, tell but, me about. But real fast, uh, Jenna Jenna yeah. Ortega is hosting SNL. Yes, and gonna do the Wednesday dance. All right, <laughs> tell me, tell me about, okay. tell me about Guy Ritchie. Okay, Guy Ritchie. This is a poor man's uh, James Bond mashup with Ocean's Eleven. I would say. And uh, but it's entertaining. It gets a little convoluted. But to me, the personalities pop and the all star cast is what makes it. And Hugh Grant steals the movie as his peculiar billionaire who is an arms dealer. And he <laughs> um, they set it up. Uh, Richie is best when he uses comedy and he's got it in spades here. He has Aubrey Plaza as a hacker. The British okay. government and the operative is Carrie. How do you say that? You know, the Elvis. prince. Yeah. Elvis. Okay. He's leading. He gathers this team together and it's super spy Jason Statham, who has done five movies with Guy Ritchie. Mm -hmm. So this is his sixth. And he's a super spy and he joins forces Aubrey Plaza is the hacker. Bugsy Malone, the rapper, is the sharpshooter. They recruit Josh Hartnett. When is the last time you heard his name? Um, I don't know. Yeah. 
he plays a action movie star named Danny Francesco. And they hire him to play movie star Danny Francesco. Because okay. Hugh Grant is this billionaire that loves movie stars. And he's kind of got a little... Didn't we just have massive talent that did the same thing? Yeah, kind of. Okay. And uh, it's... um, But it's not as meta. But he, they want okay. him to trap... They're looking for what's happened is... The British government has found out that this package is worth $10 billion. And they're trying to find out who uh, who brokered it, who needs to get arrested, and they need to save the world from this because it's involving technology and high-tech arms and all this. This is making my head hurt. I know. it's a lo- That's why I said... The plot was convoluted. It's too much. Well, we're going over. We're we're globetrotting. We got a lot of undistinguishable villains. We got U- Ukrainians. We got Turkey uh, people from Turkey. We have all this stuff. We're going to Khan. We're going to Morocco. We're doing all this stuff. So uh, it gets uh, really. It's two. It's almost two hours. One hour and fifty four minutes. But Hugh Grant's doing his best Michael Caine, which is kind of fun. And then Aubrey Plaza is just a hoot in this because, you know, she's got that jaunty one-liner delivery and she has that deadpan delivery sometimes. And so she really stands out here, as does Hugh. And Josh Hartnett's pretty good. He gets to have a, a, a dangerous car chase with a car that he used in a movie, <laughs> which is okay. kind of fun. So it's uh it's entertaining. I gave it a B minus. It's not doing well because I don't know about you, but it did not have any publicity too much. Beforehand. No, I, I saw it. I saw some ads for it the week it was already out. It was weird because the, it was already out and I saw ads for it. And if you don't know French very well, Operation Fortune, Ruse de Gure, uh, I'm, I'm saying that wrong too because I haven't taken French since college. Uh, it's Rules of War. So I, that, that, that's an awkward title. And Fortune, is. isn't that Jason Statham's character? Yeah. His okay. name is Orson fortune so operation fortune is the name of the movie rules of war yeah so are they thinking of making a second operation fortune they could i could see it i could see if they want to it's not near as good as the gentleman i'm absolutely not that was a fantastic film it was and it i missed wrath of man so i don't know but josh hartnett was in wrath of man and Hugh has been in, this is his third Richie movie because he was in Man from Uncle and he was in The Gentleman. Yes. And so, so it's, you know, gathering of the stock players. Like he, uh, he has, he has a, he has a cast of characters he likes to use. Yes. And they have those very strong Cockney accents, which if you have trouble with those, you know, but I'm grateful to Lionsgate for uh, making it available because apparently um, it's a STX 
studio yeah. movie, but this was in one of those, not development help, but change of studios like STX uh, uh, was trying to sell the movie to art, the studio to Lionsgate. It kind of got caught in the crossfire of corporate studio stuff, which is why we never heard of it. Aha. Uh -huh. And therefore, it's been thing, but it is a Lionsgate release, and um, it's got mixed reviews. Owen Gleiberman of Variety gave it a, a, a loves it. Just went huh. on and on and on and on about it. Everybody else is kind of mixed, but I think the the uh, personalities and the humor are the best part about it. But the action is kind of muddled and just standard, you know. Mm -hmm. You understand. It's just like I do. Your your other thing, but the movie I think people should try to see this weekend if you're paying attention to the Oscars is. Marcel, the shell with shoes on. Is, you can see that at the high point. Yes. Right before the Oscars. It starts Friday and it'll be there all weekend. And then the high point is where you can go watch a, an Oscar party. You can walk on the red carpet in style and you can purchase snacks and drinks there. And and watch it, and they're going to have some prizes and things, and and you support Cinema St. Louis. So yeah, I used to I used to go to a party, and now that party is not happening anymore because they're all going to the Cinema St. Louis party. That's right. Well, I now have the one at home, but I will be giving my pre uh, my picks uh, with Wendy and Jennifer on Friday morning on KTRS. If you want to know, and then Kent and I did about 10 categories for the Webster Kirkwood Times, which will show up tomorrow. Well, I really, I really hope everything everywhere all at once. I think it's going to sweep. I think it's going to sweep. I I would thought that Banshees would win script, but now everybody's saying everything everywhere all at once. Good. I hope so. Well, I really want Michelle Yeoh to win. And I think the only that's because lie, you right? hate Tar. Well, you hate you hate Tar. But I love Michelle Yeoh, and she's sixty, and she made Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and look at that career yes. that woman's had, and she's wonderful in in this movie. And I also think the only lock is he, he Hoi Kwan. yeah, because he's fabulous in it, and that line he says when uh, I um. I would have loved spending my whole life doing taxes and laundry with you. And I, that line just, just makes you. I also, I think Angela Lanbury's got it locked as well. You mean Angela I mean, no, that's, Bassett. Wow. Angela mm -hmm. Bassett. Angela, Angela Lansbury uh, was in Knives Out and was not nominated. Uh, Angela Bassett. Yes. I hope so. I can see the two women from everything, everywhere, all at once splitting. I can see that. And I do think all the people that are in Banshees are wonderful. If people win from other, I'm not going to be upset because I think that they, um, you know, like the whole supporting uh, women 
that I think that's the toughest category right now. But uh, I think that uh, if the best actor, I'm pushing for Austin Butler. Yeah. But according to you don't want the you don't want the whale to win. You don't want Brendan Fraser to win. I will be happy for him because he's such a likable person. But I think that performance is one note compared to um, what Austin Butler did in Elvis. Yeah. I mean, he was electric. And he look at the difficulty of that. He had to sing like him. He had to act like him, move like him. He had to do all of that. Where Brendan Fraser has to be this very depressed uh, former um, who's got a very complicated life and tries yeah. to connect with his daughter and Hong Chao who takes care of him is wonderful but her his daughter is just hateful and mean and it's hard to watch to me it's a hard film to watch it also has a religious component that you don't understand yeah because I mean nobody talks about it like it's really about organized religion and also um you know different mental health things and why we're like we are and why we react to things and i do think it probably worked better as a play oh for sure but uh, i mean i do not take anything away from brendan fraser for the performance he gives and if right. he wins bravo i heard uh from on Variety, Clayton Davis, he is in Critics' Choice Association, and he does all the awards coverage for Variety, and he's been talking to voters, and he said many a voter is checking Colin Farrell on the ballot. For Best Actor? Yes. Huh. So that's interesting, because, you know, a lot of actors love Colin Farrell. Yeah. And they- he's he that's he's his a, best performance banshee yeah he's a he's a good penguin right but i mean his but, uh, but on- yes he's he is very good in that movie of of all the things there are a lot of good things about that movie and that movie once again as i say a lot that movie's not for everyone because of all the maiming um it is uh he has a fantastic performance as a guy who just wants to sit around and drink with his buddy yes that hangdog look like, what do you mean I'm dull? Oh, I've and the been little that, I've look. been that guy. <laughs> and well, the the uh the little donkey and then his sister. I love the sister, Carrie Condon. I yep. love when she says to the guys in the bar, You're all mental. <laughs> I love that. It, it's and a Barry good movie. Ke- yeah, Barry Keoghan is wonderful as the kind of slow kid that that is the is always bullied. His father treats him horrible, and uh, he just wants some companionship too. And it's a very sad yeah. movie, but it, you got to understand. And I know you do understand the way Martin McDonough uh, writes, but I think it's a very polarizing movie. Uh, it is. We liked it, but a lot of people. Not everybody. No, it is. It's not and a it, feel. It's not a feel good film like Top Gun. No, and speaking of Top Gun, if there's going to be an upset, this is going to be it. What? Be- Top Gun is best picture? Yes. 
because if there is an upset, because the the buzz is that Tom Cruise saved Hollywood with Top Gun. He has never won an Oscar for anything. This True. would be his first Oscar. But I still think it's going to be everything, everywhere, all at once. But if there was a surprise, it's going to be this. Good. That that'd be a that'd be a pleasant surprise. The movie because fine. it's a popular favorite. It's it, um. It was the number one movie of the year. And and well, wait, us, it, it wasn't until Avatar showed up. It was until Avatar. Well, I don't even consider Avatar a worthy a com a competitor in all of this, except shoe in no contest visual effects. Well, yeah. All I'm right, Lynn. Well, I was we, just going to say, I'm get, really surprised yeah. about All Quiet on the Western Front, nine nominations. Uh, it's not going to, I don't think it's going to win. Uh, it could win sound. It may win, um, well, it's going to win international feature. Yeah. I would like to see Mandy Walker from Elvis win. But uh, a movie in the international thing I got to mention before we sign off is The Quiet Girl. It is from Ireland. And you might think, well, we see Irish movies in English all the time. This mm -hmm. is the old Gaelic thing, uh, way of talking. So we have subtitles. And yeah. it came from Ireland. And it is a beautiful wonderful movie and it starts at plaza frontenac tomorrow march 10th and it will be at cinema at high point march 17th st patrick's day ah it is sense. about a little girl who lives in a very dysfunctional family and she is just she's very quiet into her head and she gets treated horribly and she goes to live with just with relatives she doesn't know. They are childless and they take her under the wing and she grows and it's just beautiful. And um, it, it, it it's from Neon, FYI. Mm -hmm. So definitely, I mean, if there's going to be a big show, I don't see All Quiet on the Western Front losing, but close or Quiet Girl would be wonderful choices. And uh, also this week, I forgot to mention Champions, the Bobby Farrelly comedy about Special Olympics basketball team. With Woody Harrelson. Yes. Did you see it? I did. Oh, um, well, we, have, we have to talk about it next week because this we have is been on already a long, really yes. long episode. Right. Really long uh just because um, i wasn't here at the beginning to uh ring yeah. you in right well you'll have to um cut the whole beginning because we were just chatting for yep. a while lynn okay, where can so we find you i am on ktrs on friday mornings with jennifer and wendy i am in the webster kirkwood times uh our spring arts preview shows up tomorrow if you're interested in that we um have a website poplifestl.com and uh, next week carl we're gonna have to talk about daisy jones and the six the, ah, the oh, thinly veiled yeah the thin the thinly veiled fleetwood mac story ah. <laughs> and uh ted lasso 
starts on Wednesday and the Chris Rock Netflix special where he addresses right Slapgate. So the yeah. Oscars, seven o'clock, ABC, Jimmy Kimmel hosting. If you miss the show, you can see it the next day on Hulu. Hulu will be doing Red Carpet Live during the afternoon. The countdown to the Oscars will be on ABC at 530. All right. Well, listen, have a good weekend. Where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Carl the Intern. You can hear me Monday through Friday on the Mark Cox Morning Show and weekends on Second Amendment Radio and Great Outdoors on 97.1 and KMOX. Everybody have a great weekend. Hope you enjoy the last award show of the season. And then we'll start it all up again. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Take care.